I've just about had enough of you. I think you'll be able to respect a husband who's probably pulled the scientific boner of all time. In my case, sir, the question is totally without meaning. Irony, one of the funniest forms of humor. I have made a woman. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. Think all is never wrong. Never wrong. Hello. <laughs> Hello and welcome to 50 Years of Shit Robots a podcast with Matt Brown, hello, and Stephen Murray. Oh, hello. And for the very first time, we're recording this podcast, Mano a Mano. Oh, we are. We're face to face. I'm going to go and touch Stephen Murray. Hello, I'm touching you. <gasps> oh, the electricity. <laughs> um, usually we record via a bizarre system of cans and string, but now we're in a, we are in a, a radio recording booth. We are. In Teesside University. Yeah, we're in uh, the, the TU Extra studio, yeah. which is the students' um, radio. And in fact, we've kicked somebody out, haven't we? We have Lance. The <laughs> lovely Lance. <laughs> He's out of here. And we're here because at the moment, the Animex Festival is in full swing. And um, being as, as how uh, you are one of the people who sort of helped set it up, yeah, Animex exhibition. Yeah. 20 years of. 20 years, man and boy. <laughs> and I'm up here to kind of listen to people talk, and we thought we'd record a podcast while we were up here. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know what Animex is, explain what Animex is. It's an international festival of games and VFX and animation, and it's the it's been going now for 23 years. Um, and it's the it's it's the world's longest festival because the games and animations two days of game speakers, two days of an, uh, VFX and animation speakers, uh, and lots of things like Game Bridge and you can bring your portfolios and show it to the professionals. We fly people in from all over the world: New Zealand, Weta, Disney, all these big studios, and uh, and it's amazing. You had some pretty big names in the past, didn't you? Speaking oh, yeah. Um, Ray Harryhausen. Yes. And um, Nancy Cartwright came. Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson and many yeah. other children in that, in that yeah. programme. You've told, you've told uh, designers the faults with their creations. <laughs> Do you want me to go into that? <laughs> yes. Well, we had the, we had the guys in that created Rachel from uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and yeah. uh, and I, I'm I'm incredibly keen to to get this the faces on CGI correct. We've got everything correct: the eyes, the skin, the wrinkles, the hair, and everything. But we just the, there's a tiny little bit of the uncanny valley that still exists, and that's the mouth. Yeah. So I just want to set the scene. I wasn't there, but I'm imagining that they've done a lovely talk about working on Blade Runner. And somebody says, right, has anybody got any questions? Is there any questions for anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Professor Stephen Murray sticks his hand up and says, I mean, it's all very well coming up with this stuff, but uh, you can't, can't do a mouth properly, can you? I sound like I've got a cigarette in my hand. <laughs> Here, the mouth. What's, the, what's up with the mouth? <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Oh, uh, yeah, I did get several sort of glaring looks. <laughs> Did they agree with you? No. no, they didn't. It was the end of the talk, which was superb. Yeah. And they were on a high, 
Uh, but not for long. No, and they were on a hiding to nothing. <laughs> I was. <laughs> People had words. Right, OK, so thank you very much to Adam X for having me. It's been, been brilliant. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and I would recommend that if you are interested at all in visual effects or animation, um, then come along to Animex 2024. Yep. Bigger uh, and better than ever. Yeah, check it online. Yeah. It'll be brilliant. Well, we're going to do another quick Cyborg episode now. Stephen Murray, what is a Cyborg episode? A Cyborg episode is, is little bits and pieces that sometimes we forget to put in and also a kind of a theme that we've discovered yeah. that we can run through. Yes. Well, today's I'm really excited about doing because one of the most surprising elements of our journey through uh, 50 years of shit robots is the number of robot films in the 30s, 40s and 50s that feature gorillas. Yeah. Uh, we've got gorillas in our midst, haven't we? Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> we first saw a gorilla in the series The Monster and the Ape from the 1930s. Now, this was quite the surprise when it happened. It's so weird, isn't it? You think back now. I mean, they did signpost it with the title of the series. Yeah. And they? in the posters. And in the posters. But it's really the first scene of the of the ape uh, that is <laughs> so memorable because the, the ape kills two scientists from the backseat of the car they're driving and they've not noticed that there's a massive ape in the car. So the, the, the gorilla in The Monster and the Ape was the first one. Um, and then another gorilla turns up in the 1950s in the film Robot Monster. And this is actually a, a robot gorilla, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we think it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite hard to tell. We were never quite sure of anything at the end of that film. No, that's very true. Then in our last Cyborg episode, which was all about the day the Earth stood still... You um, were talking about the the short story from which The Day the Earth Stood Still um, is sort of created. And in the short story, there are gorillas in that as well, even though they don't make it into the film. Yeah. Um, Gannat, who is the equivalent of Gort, the short story, is trying to revive his master. Oh, we think it's his master. Uh, by recreating living things through the sounds they make, and he recreates a gorilla, which he has an enormous fight with inside the museum, yeah. and smashes up some uh, other robots in the fight. Um, and then I've, I've recently uh, noticed that in the trailer for the new Transformers film, which is coming out in 2023, um, there's a gorilla in that as well. So it, yep. it made us think, what is up with all the gorillas in robot films? Or Hollywood's obsession with gorillas anyway. Okay, so let's fire up the massive Murray brain and <laughs> <laughs> see what it comes up with. You'd think it would all start with um, King Kong. When was King Kong? 1933. Okay, so that places it right in the sweet spot for uh, the first appearances in, T in The Monster and the Ape, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it was enormously successful, hugely successful, not just in America, but all over the world. Okay. 
Even though, even though in Nazi Germany at the time they they didn't like it and they tried to ban it, Hitler was kind of obsessed with it. Was he? Why did they try and ban it? Uh, the film was initially banned in Nazi Germany with the censors describing it as an attack against the nerves of the German people and a violation of German race feeling. So when he, when he said a bit about that it was an assault on the German senses, no, nerves, does that mean that it's, it's like it's too scary, it's just too much? I think we need to understand that the likes of this film had never been seen before. OK, so the Germans hated it, apart from Adolf... <laughs> yeah, but it was beloved elsewhere. Huge. Oh yeah, it was massively hit. loved all over the world. Can you can that be quantified in terms of cash? Five point five million it made. But is that good? Is that bad? No, that is very good on a budget of uh, half a million. So that was a, a smash hit all over the world. Yes, it was very much so. Do you think that's why in the serial the monster and the ape that that the ape sort of. They've got the ape in because it is the, the case, as we did discuss at the time, of of a movie mogul effectively saying, I want an ape in this picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get me the yes. ape. They're trending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think definitely, definitely they've got a... Apes just suddenly started to appear all over. It wasn't the first ape, though. I think with uh, Edgar Allan Poe's Murders in the Rue Morgue, which he wrote in 1841, we have an ape. But it's an orangutan in the short story. And then in the 1932 incredibly controversial film of the same story, uh, it was a gorilla. Okay. So that predates uh, King Kong by a year, that film, then, is it? Yeah. In In that story, is the ape a villainous ape? That's the twist. It's the creature that's murdering it. That's the murderer. Okay. Murders in the Rue Morgue is seen as the very first kind of detective novel. They didn't have the word detective then, but uh, they, all the characters are, in, are doing a lot of detective work. And the big twist at the end of the short story is that, and the film, is that the ape is the one that's doing the murders. Okay. But we were we were more obsessed with orangutans back then because they looked more human. Okay. They acted more human, but they didn't have the same impact. And is there something going on in, in the real world of science as well? When's Darwin? Darwin's theories really do kick off, especially in America. Uh, there was a guy called Alfred Russell who did a lecture cycle in 1886 uh-huh. explaining Darwinism, and that went down okay, and everything was fine, and everyone was quite accepting of it. Uh, after the First World War, it was noticed that this was being taught in schools, and in America, that was not looked on uh, especially the the more the Bible Belt places, that was not looked at as something that they wanted to happen. In response, uh, the U.S. state of Tennessee passed the Butler Act in 1925, prohibiting the teaching of any theory of the origin of humans that uh, contradicted the teachings of the Bible. The law was tested in a highly publicized scope trial of 1925. The law was upheld by the Tennessee Supreme Court and remained on the books until 1967. Okay, so... In the 1930s, we've got um, a massively successful film featuring uh, King Kong, a gorilla. You've also got, I mean, this is is maybe 50, 60 years on, only a fairly short time from uh, Darwin's sort of theory of of evolution. And you have got uh, suddenly some outrage in America because... um, the origin of, of humans is being taught as a subject. 
and it conflicted with the Bible. Are there other factors as well? There was uh, the island of Dr. Moreau, or Moreau, which was uh, published in 1896, which is H.G. Wells. And this really touches on um, bringing out the monster inside of us all. It really kind of predates DNA and, uh, and manipulation of the human genome. It was a genius uh, story. But also you've got uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay. Uh, and the Wolfman, all of these were all about uh, bringing that the beast is in within us all and it can be brought out. But King Kong also has these overtones of racism and colonialism. Yeah. The way that the um, the islanders are portrayed, even in even in the, the big remake recently, the Peter Jackson one wasn't very nice. No. Okay. But each King Kong kind of depicts something different that's going on. So the 1930s King Kong uh, film can be seen as the fear of the other, the fear of the foreigner, the fear of the exotic. Uh, while King Kong is often compared to the story of Beauty and the Beast, uh, the film many film scholars have argued that the film was a cautionary tale about interracial romance. Again, this will have some citations in which the film's carrier of blackness is not uh, a human being but an ape. These are uncomfortable things to talk about, but this is canon within the criticism of the film. Yeah, that's fair. And um, there's an article that you've got that we can we can add to the show notes so yeah. people can read in more detail if they'd like to. There is a German research company for artificial intelligence that are going down the lines of creating robots that are in the shape of apes. Really? What, currently? Yep. Yowzers. Why are they doing that? Uh, because that because they can get they're mad because they're mad yes because <laughs> essentially getting a robot to walk like a human get, getting a robot to be humanoid is incredibly difficult yeah. and it's it's counterproductive because we're now finding out that the vast majority of robots that are useful tend to look more insectoid they're like insects okay or like spot the dog from uh, Boston Dynamics, they're like they're dogs, which is easily to get into. But if you if you're trying to make a robot human, the problem with walking is that walking is essentially controlled falling. Right, you're constantly okay. falling forward, and that yeah. on an algorithmic level uh, and uh, hydraulic level is very difficult. So to make to make the robot walk on all fours most of the time, and then have the ability to stand up for certain functions, uh, gets over certain problems. Okay. And so the best more, way to just get... more practical. Yeah. And okay. the best way to get a humanoid-like creature to walk on all fours is, obviously, to no-brainer, apes. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But, I mean, isn't it sad that we're seeing... Is that the end of the android? No, Can because... say goodbye to androids? No, because old Elon Musk is... Wants one. He's bringing one out. <laughs> I mean, not him personally. No, he but wants that to is develop one. Yeah, I bet yeah, it, it is, is that over breakfast. He just says, "I want an android," <laughs> and then he gets an android. <laughs> now, obviously, we need to make sure that we don't have a Terminator scenario. That's very important. Uh, it's all fun and games until Terminator shows up. We've seen lots of gorillas in our little podcast series. Uh, and we know that there is a new one in the Transformer films. Yeah. Where, what other, in between, in between that, you know, in the sort of 60s, 70s, 80s, were there other gorilla robot mashups? 
Uh, yeah, there was. In King Kong Escapes, uh, there was Mecha Godzilla, which is a robot Godzilla in the Kaiju series. Yes. And actually, thinking about it, just thinking about it for the tiniest second, you'd have, it would have been so weird if they hadn't done that, wouldn't it? I mean, they've mechanized every other. Everything, yeah. Everything. So they yeah. would have, you know, they would have had to have done it. Does it look good? It does, actually. It does. And it's got lasers coming out of its eyes on the poster, which means nothing. It means nothing. The posters mean nothing. (laughs) It hasn't got any lasers at all. Uh, Probably not. Because if you remember the monster and the ape on the poster, there's a big fight between the monster and the ape, and that never happened. Yeah, never. Never happened. And also, there are other apes in Hollywood, like you said. Like I was thinking about um, the Any Which Way But Loose films and... Isn't there a 60s film with a chimp in it in a nappy? <laughs> I just made that up. Well, the, the American president, Ronald Reagan, was in a film called uh, Bedtime for Bonzo. That's it. That's what I'm thinking of. That is definitely what I'm thinking of. A lot of people think they're born better than others. I'm trying to prove it's the way you're raised that counts. But even a monkey brought up in the right surroundings can learn the meaning of decency and honesty. That's a fine thing to do. Sorry, I'm just then thinking about the most recent film I've seen with a gorilla in, or an ape in, is the uh, Jordan Peele film Nope, which has oh, a fictionalised yeah. TV, like 70s TV show. Chimpanzee. It's got a chimpanzee in. So Hollywood still loves a chimp. Oh, can we just mention the uh, the, the musical of uh, Planet of the Apes that appears in The Simpsons <laughs> yeah. with a wonderful lyric from chimpanzee to chimpanzee? Yeah, it's very good. I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. No, you'll never make a monkey out of me. So there we go. Now at least we know a little bit more about why there were so many blinking monkeys slash gorillas slash apes in robot films in the 30s, 40s and 50s. Yeah, Hollywood was obsessed with them. It was, wasn't it? That carries on. Carries on. Yeah, Fall of the House of Usher, the TV programme at the moment. I've just watched episode three and that's that's, uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue. That's full of monkeys. Interesting. Very, very interesting. One of us has to keep up with popular culture. Uh, well, uh, that's not going to be me because <laughs> I just want to flag up a couple of things. Firstly, we're going to be donning our robot examining operetta goggles. Oh. And uh, t- <laughs> we've upped the magnification. <laughs> and uh, we are going to be looking at the film King Kong Escapes uh, at the beginning of season seven, which is going to be coming. Uh, your way very soon. But before we do that, we've got a few more things that we wanted to do. First of all, we're going to be having a Christmas episode that's going to be dropping on the 25th of December. Uh, The film that we're going to be looking at, Stephen Murray, is... Christmas Bloody Christmas. And we're going to be looking at that, hopefully, with uh, Rory Coyle, who we last heard on our Halloween Jason X episode, which was very good. If you haven't listened to it, go back and have a little listen. He's a Uh, corker. Um, But before our Christmas episode, we thought we'd treat you all to a lovely robot advent. So starting this Friday, 1st of December, 2023, 
every single day up until the 25th, we're going to be opening a little door on our robot advent calendar and seeing what's inside. 24 lovely little roboty treats for December. Um, but obviously, if you're listening to this in the far future after the robots have enslaved us all, and you're just trying to work out what the hell happened in 2023, then it'll just be the next episode in your feed. So you don't have to worry about it being the 1st of December or anything like that. Okay, Uh, we will see you on Friday for our first Advent uh, opening. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.